a few years ago when Bitcoin was getting close to 20,000 and I was staying at my favorite hotel and it's known to have this like crazy, awesome rooftop bar. And I went to go there. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go cut in front of the line because I'm staying at the hotel. And they're like, yeah, this is a closed private event. You know, they're celebrating Bitcoin at 20,000. And I'm like, some of you know. Um, <laughs> so, but what I'll say is that when, it, when the price declined, I made sure I bought some, right? And, and it's interesting how like even just like doing research on like what are the various ways you can buy it. Again, some terrible ways that you should definitely not use. And then other ways, much better, right? And these are things that are hard for someone to learn unless they do. So if you're an advisor, I feel like it's no different to me than if you're going to tell your client, hey, you should have a financial plan. You know, that advisor should have a financial plan too. Oh, you should invest this way in your 401k, right? The advisor should probably like eat their own cooking too. Once you get the knowledge, like it's a great idea, I think, for advisors to make sure that they're also a participant themselves and they understand because they're actively engaged as an investor, right? And I think they can learn a lot that way. You're listening to On Purpose with Tyrone Ross, brought to you by the Coindesk Podcast Network. This show is for advisors, by advisors, on all things crypto, and we appreciate you. And now, here's Tyrone. All right. Welcome to a very, very, very special edition of the On Purpose podcast. I have this gentleman on the show, On Purpose. No one better to talk about the FA landscape. My friend, my brother, someone that is very much responsible for me sitting here and a lot of opportunities that I've had recently. Jason Wank the Great. How are you, sir? Well, I'm very well. You're, you're far too kind. You give everyone these incredibly lovely introductions, and I appreciate that about you. <laughs> but the feelings are all mutual. I love you like a brother and uh, super proud of everything you do and really stoked to be on the uh, podcast. Absolutely. So let me just say, here's how much I love Jason and Jason loves me. This is our weekly time together that he dedicates to us just catching up in our brotherhood. And it's a really special time. So again, grateful for you making this time to be able to have this conversation. A couple of things that I, that I want to cover here. Again, the first is I feel like there's no one better to talk to just in terms of just the FA landscape and what advisor tech looks like and just what's going on in fintech overall. We'll get to that. But right away, I think it's really important for you to, to make an intro of yourself and of altruists, my altruist family I love. We'll get into the human advisor and all that. Talk a little bit about what altruists is doing as you're starting just to talk about you know, the fintech landscape and advisor tech and what you've seen there. Yeah. So, so altruists, we started about two years ago, and it really was designed to try to give financial advisors tools that were a lot easier to use and a lot more affordable. They also were designed to scale in such a way that it made it easier for them to help clients really of any type, right? So whether they're wealthy or they're just getting started, doesn't matter if they live geographically in the same place, right? So they can kind of serve clients in a very distributed way. And the end goal was really to make financial advice better, make it more affordable and make it more accessible. Like that's the, the MO. Why is there a need for that? Well, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I think anybody, if you, like, if you have to ask yourself the same question, pretty much every year, like Groundhog's Day, year after year after year. And for me, it was things like, I wonder how long it's going to be until you know, a financial advisor can open an account for their clients on a mobile app, right? Like in this dialogue started happening probably you know, 10 years ago, and it never happened. In fact, you know, for those who aren't aware, financial advisors, when they want to work with clients, most of the time, they have to you know, download paper, and, you know, print it, and then fill it out and have people physically sign Nowadays, people are just getting to use tools like DocuSign 
And so financial advisors are using tools that are, are pretty antiquated, really. It makes it very hard for them to do their job. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, so we feel like there's this massive opportunity to help people who actually want to help other people. And they didn't want to have to you know, require huge minimum account sizes because the actual work they were doing was so hard and time consuming, right? We made their lives just, you know, very frictionless, which, which makes it, again, way more accessible to get access to the advisor. And again, that's the beauty of altruistic simplicity, the elegance. As an advisor, again, who had clients open accounts through the mobile app because it was easier for me <laughs> and didn't have to do all of that paperwork, I definitely understand that. But what was the main thing as you started to look at building altruists where you felt like just in terms of, and we talk about this often, the cost of running a practice and how cumbersome it is, where it just takes you away from giving advice. And I think this lends well with the crypto conversation and just how things are going digital and doing it very quickly. So what is it specifically to you like, all right, I can add value here. Let me go build around that. You know, a great you know, kind of term to think about is accessibility. And so we think about what is the cost of accessibility to a financial advisor? That would be one, the amount of time it takes them to do things. So even like basic operational stuff, like opening accounts, funding accounts, trading accounts, reporting on accounts. If they have to spend a lot of time or their staff has to spend a lot of time doing those things, there's inherent cost to that, right? This is like uh, on a P&L, this would be part of your costs of goods sold, right? Like, so it affects your gross margin. And a lot of people don't think in those terms, but like as a business person, which a financial advisor does need to operate like a business person, if their costs of goods sold, let's just say, are $500, like what that means is they cannot help somebody. They can't give advice and help somebody make better choices with their money unless that person's paying over, like well over $500, right? And so the same is true with like other costs of goods sold for an advisor are like the software they have to pay for. If I'm going to not just give someone advice, I'm also going to help them implement it, right? Which is like, I'm going to open an account, help them build an investment portfolio, there's all of this cost of the software required to do that, to effectively do things like billing. Um, and, and a lot of times that minimum cost might be, again, $50 or $100 like per client per year. And so when we start to really think about those things, and I remember it's a phase I was in my life where like I wanted to maybe start investing, start saving, but maybe my budget was like legitimately $50 a month. Well, <laughs> you know, again, like no advisor could ever help me because it just didn't make economic sense to do so. So there's a ton of like friction. And again, the cost to be an advisor, you have to register, you have to have outsourced sort of compliance consultants, you have to archive all of your email and your social media, right? So like there's this hard fixed cost of just opening your doors up. And then there's this cost that stacks every time you add more clients. And the way the industry was built for many, many years was sort of like, well, as long as all of your clients are rich, no problem, right? Like as long as everybody has $100,000 or $250,000 or half a million dollars or more, those costs of sort of, you know, serving each individual client were kind of a non-issue, right? They're trivial in terms of a percentage. And this is why, again, accessibility is a really major problem for financial advice. Uh, and, and actually, you know, I think as a result, it makes a lot of people sort of um, have to go to like the internet, which is a treasure trove of wonderful information. It, it could also be an absolute, you know, dumpster fire of bad advice. If you're getting your financial tips on Reddit, <laughs> free jewelry, right? You know, don't do right. that anymore. But this is, you know, all part of like, I think what is the problem, you know, with the industry is that because it's so hard to get access, because the costs are very high to operate as a financial advisor, it actually hurts a lot of people, even indirectly. Absolutely. So before I drag you down the crypto rabbit hole, I do want to say, 
my life right now is driven by two things, passion and purpose. So it was easy to be come a part of the altruist family when the mission was like, listen, we want to make people feel good about money. We want to make this more accessible. We want advisors to be able to help people that's normally not in their purview. So I couldn't be more proud and happier to, to be on this journey with you and support that mission. And it's really cool to see how it is evolving for as small and mighty as altruist is, it's a conglomerate in terms of presence and actual impact. So it's, it's really cool to be a part of that. So now let me drag you down the crypto rabbit hole. From your perspective, and again, we're not going to talk about no crazy DeFi and stuff like that, but from your perspective, what are the issues that you see? Because a lot of what you mentioned are the issue for advisors that I experience is expensive. You have to add on all of these different services. If you work with clients that own crypto, AUM is out. It's out right now. So you have to change your business model. If an advisor wanted to do this right now, from where you sit and what you know, probably more than anyone in terms of the infrastructure and the piping and you know, everything that happens behind the scenes, what are some of the bigger issues that advisors either don't know of or should be aware of as they start to valley down this dark road? First, I'll say like on a positive note, there's never been a time I've seen more advisors interested in cryptocurrency, Bitcoin specifically. I think there was a time when advisors were like shunning it. It's like if you're a client even thought of buying Bitcoin, they were crazy. They were, you know, tulip chaser or whatever. It's important that Bitcoin and crypto in general reached a peak, it, it fell significantly in price, and then it, it sort of bottomed and recovered. And all of a sudden now people are kind of going, all right, so it's a real thing, you know, and, and it's becoming uh, much more real as more platforms like the news, I think, uh, about PayPal a few weeks ago. This, every time there's something new and validating, uh, every time even someone important like Jack Dorsey talks, I mean, like all of these little things, they help it. So advisors now, now they can't hide behind like it's a fact, right? right? They, they're kind of realizing that clients are coming. This is an important asset class. And this is something that it's cliche, but now more than ever, you need to make sure your clients have exposure to assets that are not necessarily tied to a fiat currency, you know, so something that is very much decentralized. So one of the challenges, right? I think the big challenges are like the most obvious one is there's no easy way for an advisor to be able to watch, you know, sort of a client's portfolio of digital assets without uh, sort of breaching custody rules. So there's some regulatory issues around custody. And then there's also obviously like all of the, I think, really wonderful data security and data privacy rules that make crypto such a great asset to have. You don't want to breach those, right? So like there's like this interesting, you know, kind of push and pull where an advisor wants to be able to say, hey, Tyrone, let's put X percent of your portfolio going to use these three digital assets. But I need to stay arm's length, right? So there's not like any good way to stay just at that arm's length. I mean, there's some workarounds, you know, all about the workarounds and like ways you can make it work, but it's not easy, right? So we talked about all the friction of just being a financial advisor in general, the friction to try to give good advice and be able to help people understand where digital currency fits into their grand financial picture is extremely difficult because there is no infrastructure for it, right? It's what you're building, you know? So yeah, there's a lot of problems. And then there's like, you know, I'd say little nuancing things where like, conversations that I see and I've seen it more and more where advisors as they are warming up to it, they're kind of like, what if something bad happens? Am I liable? You know, if I'm a registered advisor and you know my and I, my client buys this thing that I advise them to buy, but something happens that had nothing to do with me, right? Some type of breach by their custodian, all of a sudden now those assets are gone. They cannot be recovered. And heard the conversations around insurance. I mean, there's things like that that just like kind of have to be worked out because advisors will be a little bit reluctant in some cases to give advice on something that could actually, you know, create this new risk in their business. These are like, you know, the early stages, I think, of 
infrastructure that needs to be built to give advisors peace of mind and their clients, you know, investors peace of mind, so everybody can actually work together to the end result, which we all want the same end result, which is the irony, right? People are trying to figure out how to make it work. And I, I want to tie that up by saying all very good points this is exactly why I wanted to have you on, right? You articulate that probably the way I should, but you know, you, you do that very well. But I think one of the things here that's really important is when an advisor starts to look at it right now, and I say this all the time, they, they, oh, well, advisors are going to get fired because they're not putting clients in Bitcoin. No, they're not. They're going to get fired because they just simply aren't conversant, because they don't have their practices set up, which I think you could appreciate practice management and just your ability to grow. Every time I have this conversation, whether it's with Ron Carson or yourself or Cheryl Penny to folks, Josh Brown, folks that are very successful and that ability to grow your business, right? I'm not going to grow a multi-million dollar business or a multi-billion dollar business and risk it on putting a half a percent of you know my whole book into whatever. But the most important thing now, I think, is for advisors just simply being conversant to grow the relationship with clients and be able to show that fiduciary responsibility. What tips would you give with advisors, again, outside of deep crypto knowledge that a few of us have, but just in terms of, all right, how do I take this knowledge or interest that my clients have around crypto and grow my practice? Yeah, well, I think the most obvious thing is that every advisor should start getting, if they're not already, they should get educated. You know, I think like this podcast is a great place for people to learn, but there's a lot more. But advisors, again, you know, for better or worse, many of them the last five years have mostly just ignored it. You know, they've just kind of like acted. It's like this whole thing, like the problem doesn't exist if I don't acknowledge it, but like the problem does exist, you know? Right. So I would say that the first step is they have to learn more about digital currency. They don't have to become Tyrone right. Ross level PhDs in it, right? Like they need to have like a sort of conversational fluency so they can actually talk to their clients in a way that's, you know, not just intelligent for sales purposes, but so that they can actually, you know, start to better understand, you know, kind of the why behind, you know, the price increases. Like right now people just see price increases and like dollar signs light up in their eyeballs and advisors are like, I got to get in on that. But there's way more going on, like the why behind it. So, so I think it starts with some education. And then I think like really the next step for them, once they start to feel more comfortable, is to actually invest themselves, right? Like the first way I learned is like the, for a long time, I was like, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. And I had to tell like the story how I was in New York, I don't know, a few years ago when Bitcoin was getting close to 20,000 and I was staying at my favorite hotel and it's known to have this like crazy, awesome rooftop bar. And I went to go there. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go cut in front of the line because I'm staying at the hotel. And they're like, yeah, this is a closed private event. You know, they're celebrating Bitcoin in 20,000. And I'm like, son of a bitch, you know? Um, <laughs> so, but what I'll say is that when, it, when the price declined, I made sure I bought some, right? And, and it's interesting how like even just like doing research on like what are the various ways you can buy it. Again, some terrible ways that you should definitely not use and then other ways much better, right? And these are things that are hard for someone to learn unless they do. So if you're an advisor, I feel like, it's no different to me than if you're going to tell your client, hey, you should have a financial plan. You know, that advisor should have a financial plan too. Oh, you should invest this way in your 401k, right? The advisor should probably like eat their own cooking too. Once you get the knowledge, like it's a great idea, I think, for advisors to make sure that they're also a participant themselves and they understand because they're actively engaged as an investor, right? And I think they can learn a lot that way. Advisors out there listening right now, if you aren't on the altruist wait list, you should be. But if I'm an advisor on the altruist wait list and I'm a crypto hippie like myself, <laughs> is there any roadmap or down the road where altruist 
is even considering or thinking about any type of education or something for financial advisors besides me hijacking an episode of the human advisor? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you and I both know that we, so, so I would say not to let the cat out of the bag too much, but those who've been following us on social media, they know the little hints that have dropped, but so absolutely like we're, we're super interested in, you know, really being the first RIA. So registered investment advisor custody platform that integrates uh, digital currency into a client portfolio and doing so via partnership with OnRamp. So obviously we're still in the early stages. There's a little bit of like infrastructure and architecture that has to be built out to make this all come to life, but we're absolutely interested in making it possible. And I think it'll happen sooner than later because when you get people working together under a common goal, you know, I think you can accomplish a lot more than like somebody trying to boil the ocean. So I'm really excited about that. But if you're going to do that, you also have to provide some education. You can't just say like, hey, you know, come use this platform to do this activity if you're not going to give them a little bit of education on it. So you know, absolutely. I think we'll probably need to tie into your network, which is a little bit more vast than mine in terms of people with a ton of expertise on crypto. But it is something that like we have a learn network, um, we have a grow network. Learn is designed for consumers, help level their knowledge up, get them access to like better, easy, accessible, bite-sized financial information and planning advice. And then grow is designed for professionals. So if you're a financial advisor and you want to help grow your business, right, you'll see a lot of videos with Tyrone and some other friends of ours. And for sure, we'll be integrating crypto into those conversations. Anywhere else you want to, you know, plug so folks can reach out. Like I said, check out, you know, Alters.com, get on that wait list. Do it, man. We're not hard to find. Usually any place you see Tyrone hang out, we're lurking somewhere not far away. So you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. It's uh, at Altruist Corp, only because someone's squatting on at Altruist. But uh, it's Altruist Corp and social and then Altruist.com. And I will add... Run to YouTube. The Human Advisor podcast is there. Go check that out. Like, subscribe, share. Now that we've come to the end of this, and I've, I've, I'm, again, so grateful for your time, I have to ask you the question that I ask everybody. And it's very important because I think if anyone has the answer, it's you. So Jason Wink, CEO and founder of Altruist, who the hell is Satoshi? <laughs> yeah, I mean... After watching those congressional hearings this week, I'm pretty sure it's Jack Dorsey. You know, I think it's probably Jack or some <laughs> close friend of Jack's. It's probably he was like on a sabbatical in the Himalayas, had it eaten in 14 days. He probably doesn't even realize he created it. It was like an right. out of body, out of mind experience. And then he got back that's to San Francisco. Idea. I was like, man, that's a good idea. I think I'm going to be. I think I'm going to put some money into Bitcoin. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that's what happened. That's a great answer. Well, look, man, the best part of venues like this is being able to thank the people who pour into your life publicly. And I am so grateful for not only, again, partnerships and business and all that, but for your friendship, what you've meant to me, what you mean to my family, what you mean to all of the things that I fight for. So it's just been humbling. And I'm so grateful for you spending time with me and all of my crypto hippie advisor friends. And for all those listening, again, whatever you do in life, do it on purpose. Jason Wank, thank you for joining me. We'll see you all in the next one. I appreciate you.